You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. We begin today's message with important scripture. Matthew 10, 32 through 33. Last week we were talking about how easy it was for Peter to hear from the Spirit one moment and then be rebuked and called Satan the next moment. And if you read the Bible, the Lord even uses animals, uses unbelievers, uh, sometimes to speak things out. So the reality is, is you can be used to speak things out by the Spirit or by the enemy. And so the Bible here says, Matthew 10, 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me, this is Jesus speaking, capital me, before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will, I will also deny, my, by my, I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus speaking clearly, we use it in almost every altar call, just the importance of, I believe, you got to confess Christ in front of people. Amen. And believe, like, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of who you are. But Peter himself actually denied Christ three times, if you read the Bible. But then something supernatural happened in Peter's life. And that was that when the day of Pentecost came, Peter was baptized with the Spirit of God. And here was a man that was ashamed, that denied Christ, but didn't want to be associated with him any longer in public, to being baptized with the Spirit of God and was no longer ashamed and stood up and preached the first gospel message written in the Word of God after Christ completed the work. Thousands were saved that day, and the church was birthed from a man that previously had denied Christ, but now was bold enough to stand his ground. In spiritual warfare, I just want to say this first and foremost. Do not deny the power of God by pushing the Holy Spirit out of your life because you're ashamed or you're pressured by people around you, and so you try and silence the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God in your life. The gospel was completed when the Spirit filled you. That was the goal. Amen. And so religion and all the things that come against us to make us push the Holy Spirit out of our lives, we don't want to be the crazy people. We don't want to be the right. You have to ignore all of that because the normal church is the Spirit-filled church. Amen. And so I remember when I first became an evangelist, I'd go around, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a loud preacher and all these things. We, anybody that's come here for a while knows I, I kind of get excited. I, don't, I, I try to be cool. <laughs> but I do. And um, I would, you know, tell people, I'd be like, We're, I'm, the, you know, I'm a radical believer. I believe. And then one day the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, stop telling people you're radical. He said, you're actually just normal. In fact, you could, you, in fact, you could amp it up. You know what I'm saying? It's like you get normal Christianity is miracle signs and wonders. Normal Christianity is the dead coming back to life. Normal Christianity is blind eyes do see. That is actually normal. If you read the book of Acts, that was it. The beginning of the church, that wasn't in one chapter. That was just the recurring theme of the book of Acts. That's normal. Shout normal. Normal Christianity is life in the spirit. Shout spirit. That's why Jesus said, it's good that I go away because then the Spirit comes and then there will be many sons and daughters of the Lord that are filled with the Spirit of God. So thank the Lord. Who in here is filled with the Spirit? All right. Say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Do not deny the power of God. And then it goes on to say, because Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, 5 through 8, Jesus once again right before he left he said john truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now 
Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even unto the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. Jesus said, you're going to be baptized with power. That is the Spirit of God. But even at this time, they, they didn't they just didn't even comprehend the spiritual realm. They're still trying to figure out, but who's going to run Israel, right? It's so easy for us to be caught up in fights that are soulish realm fights or earthly fights instead of staying in the spirit and fighting where we have the authority. Amen. You have authority in the spiritual realm if you're a born-again believer with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have authority, the devil is defeated, and he's beneath your feet. But you're not carrying all authority here, you know, in the government realm. I can't walk into the White House and say, listen up, Joe. This is how it's going to be, brother. I don't have that authority in the natural, but in the, in the spiritual realm, you carry power and authority. Amen. Shout amen. And so recognizing where you stay in, don't be the person pulled here and there by everything. And I would say, if anything, this generation has been swayed by so much can you pull down my mic some pastor market is feeding back and then you've got to stay connected not ashamed of the spirit of god stay stirred up stay receptive to the things of god and we're going to go through that here in a moment of just staying sharp in the spirit but you got to stay sharp in the spirit amen you don't want to be a dull believer who wants to be dull nobody you got to be sharp in the spirit. So you stir yourself up. You stay proactive. It's actually quite simple. It's been three weeks now since I've been able to go to the gym. I couldn't wear this shirt a couple weeks ago because I was so buff. <laughs> now it fits easily because I'm already shrinking. You know what I'm saying? If that happens in natural, you know what I'm saying? If you're not charging ahead in the natural, you're instantly backing up. It's the same in the spiritual. You actually have to recognize that to say, I've got to stay moving forward in the things of the spirit because the moment I take a vacation, I'm going backwards. And it's not something that wears you down or runs you down. It's not that. I'm not saying you got to serve at every single church function from now until Jesus returns and never go on vacation. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to be open and stay stirred up in the spirit. Amen. Psalm 37, 4, very popular scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Somebody shout amen. amen. Who in here believes that with all of your heart? If you delight yourself in the Lord, get ready, the desires of your heart are coming. Amen. I believe it, and uh, we're going to go into the, the third installment of the gifts, which we've been on spiritual warfare for five weeks now, but I'm going to close out with the utterance gifts, the spoken gifts. The spoken gifts of the Spirit are the most attacked gifts of the Spirit because they're vocal. The enemy knows that there's power in the spoken things of God, speaking things out. And so that's where he creates all those religious things of, does anybody have any unspoken prayer request? Let's have a moment of silence for this person. A moment of silence did absolutely nothing. I'm just telling you, and I might, might offend you, but power is in vocal declaration. Jesus never stood before a crowd and say, let's have a moment of silence. You know, no, nobody ever says, I can't attach my faith to an unspoken request because I don't know what the request is. 
Does that make sense? It's actually pretty common Like to understand. That's why the power and the attack comes in the spoken realm. And the church has got to recognize the world can say what they want, but they're not the expert on the spirit. We are. And so the utterance gifts are a gift from God. And part of the gift they give us is prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues helps align ourselves with the plan and the purposes of God. If it's really the Spirit speaking through the church, through you as you yield, then as you declare things, revelation happens, dreams pop, visions come. You begin to align with the plan and the purpose of God. So you delight yourself in the Lord and He gives you the desires of your heart. It's a gift from God to align you with what matters. Amen. And so that's why you've got to stir this up. You've got to stir these things up. And the first one listed in the Bible, or the first one we'll hit is prophecy. Shout prophecy. prophecy. Do you know what prophecy means, the original word in the Bible? Uh, it means to bubble up. The bubbling up. So it's like the river of God bubbling out of you, exploding from your mouth, rivers of living water as you prophesy. Amen. Come on, somebody. Prophecy has power. If you prophesy from the Lord, it's going to come to pass. Some prophecy throughout the Bible, you can see it's declared. And if someone repents, then the Lord's hand is stayed because repentance still changes things. But ultimately, prophecy is the authority of the Spirit of God to speak things out. If all of creation exists because the Lord spoke it out, then how much power exists in the church today if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you? And so that's where you recognize. And first thing I want to give you on prophecy, someone says, well, how do I prophesy? Do I have to learn, you know, like King James stuff and stuff? Do I have to get poetic and stuff? I mean, people get so elaborate on things because they think the cooler they sound, the more power there is in it. That's not prophecy. Prophecy is just speaking what the Lord speaks through you. Amen comes from the Spirit of God. And there's times that, that it's exploding and it comes out of your mouth and you're like, man, I wasn't thinking that. And you got to write it down. But number one, the first way you're going to learn to prophesy correctly is to speak the Word of God over your life. Period. If you're prophesying, I remember Dick Mills who wrote all the word wealths of the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Awesome man of God. Pa passed away just a few years ago. Prophet of the Lord. Prophet Dick Mills would come to the church in Tampa and he would say, this, this prophecy is for the third row. And it was funny because you'd hear people jumping over chairs, you know, to get for a prophetic word. They'd land in someone's lap on the third row just to be in the third row, you know. And thus say the Lord, thou shalt surely die. And then they would, you know, just like, I was in the fourth row. I was in the fourth row. But he would literally prophesy scripture. So he'd say, this is the third row, Romans 8, 26. And then he would just say the word of God prophesying because one thing you can be sure of the word of God is the word of the spirit anyways and so there is authority in that you say man I'm facing a situation get the word of God and vocalize and prophesy it out this is my reality this is the word of God this is eternal unshakable this is the this is what God says about it and if I say it there's power in it amen Prophecy is speaking the words of the Spirit out into this world, which is, has creative power, formative power, redemptive power. Prophecy is powerful. And it's for every single born-again believer to tap into. 
There is a five-fold office of a prophet that exists to train the church in the realms of the prophetic. But prophecy is speaking out by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Learning to flow with this. Speaking things out before they happen. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 says, He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So 1 Corinthians 14 defines for us what is prophecy. It is for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of men. Amen. So it's not I'm prophesying, get ready, because this is going to happen, and you're going to die in a car wreck, and all of these things that I have personally, and some of you have heard people prophesy in those realms, in the fear tactics. But the Bible says prophecy is for the exhortation, edification, and the comfort of men. It's an inspired, inspired speaking by the Spirit of God to strengthen and fortify the body as a whole. True prophecy is an inspired tongue from God that builds faith in the body of Christ and strength and stability within us and hope for a better future. Amen. That's prophecy. Prophesying is edifying the body of Christ. Edify means to build. An edifice is a strong tower or a structure. It is to build the foundation of the church strongly. Amen. Prophesy. Prophesy. So you've got to learn to do this. You've got to learn. And number one about prophecy, if you're not speaking the word, because what about the realms where you're speaking specifically? Because prophecy can be at a macro level concerning things going on in the nations right now, where you can prophesy. We hear people prophesy concerning elections, prophesy concerning wars. Even people prophesy concerning Super Bowl winners. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, okay. I really don't need so-and-so to win the Super Bowl to know that God's going to, you know, change America. I just know God wants to change America. Amen. But I will root for my football team. Go Bucks. All right. Moving on to spiritual things. It can be a macro level. Prophecy can be concerning things happening right now, like thus saith the Lord. But it doesn't have to say thus saith the Lord. You could just be speaking things out inspired by the Spirit of God. But it can also be at a micro level. Where I'm talking to a person and I'm speaking into them, this is what the Lord, this is what, this is what's going to happen. Get ready this, get ready that. Speaking things out at a micro level. But now this is like, number one, you can speak the word regarding their life. But what about the intimate? What about the specific things like that? First thing you got to learn about this is a lot of people try and prophesy from the soulish realm. The soulless realm just knows it's a familiarity. I know what I know. It's what I'm comfortable doing. The spiritual realm is not the soulless realm. There is a difference scripturally, and only the word cuts between them. Amen. Amen. They're very interconnected, but the word will cut between it. So how do I know that I'm tapping into my spirit? Such a great, great question. I really love it when you guys interact like that. Amen. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians, be not drunk with wine, wherein is an excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so there's an equipping right there in the body and in the Word of God that if you stir your spirit man up, singing, singing in the Spirit, singing in English, worshiping the Lord, praying in the Spirit, praying in English, you're stirring the pot, so to speak. You're rekindling the flame and stirring the gift that Paul wrote to Timothy about. You're stirring up the spiritual realm, and you get yourself in the realms of the Spirit. Suddenly, now you're prophesying not from your head, not from your emotions, but beyond that, you're prophesying from the realms of the Spirit. 
Amen. Anybody ever stirred yourself up before? Past how you feel and past the veil of the flesh into the depths of the spirit, that holy of holies. Come on, somebody. Where you're speaking things out by the spirit of God. It's almost like you feel it like pulled from your gut too. There's a depth in the spirit of God that, that many Christians, they just don't even explore it. They think salvation is all they need. Salvation was the beginning of a great relationship that has literally thousands of years of experience for you to, to grab a hold of in the realms of the spirit. Amen. And so prophecy, you're learning how to do that. Then Colossians says, let the word of God, God dwell in you richly too. If it can dwell in you richly, it can dwell in you poorly. You want to speak by the Spirit. You want to prophesy correctly. Stir yourself. Know the Word of God. Study the Word of truth. Get it within your spirit, man. Speak it over your life. Confess it daily. Stir yourself up. And then sing to yourself some psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's singing and making melody in your heart, stirring up that spirit man within you that accesses the realms of God, that opens you up to everything that heaven wants to speak through you in that moment. Much of the Bible, if you really read it, is prophecy. This is going to happen concerning the, the Lord. Psalms, prophecy concerning who he is. All the major and minor prophets. Even in the book of Acts, prophecy is found. Prophecy is normal for the church. And see what happens when the church gets quiet, gets ashamed of the Spirit of God, gets ashamed of prophesying and stirring up the realms of the Spirit and lets the world take over. Then you get the tarot card readers and the psychic hotlines and everything because people want to know what's coming. So the church has got to rise up in this place and say, I am not ashamed of the power of God in my life. Amen. I'm not, I can stir it up and I can speak it out. And I don't need a psychic to tell me what's going to happen. And see, the enemy knows there's power in agreement. That's why he does that. He doesn't actually know what's going to happen tomorrow. But he knows if you can come in agreement, if he could get you to agree with his plan, then you can have his plan. Right? But if you don't agree with his plan and say, get thee behind me, Satan... Speak and prophesy the word of God. Guess what? You have authority and the word is what will carry you forward and you will have everything that comes from your mouth as you speak inspired by the Lord. If you believe that, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Prophesy. It's speaking out the things of God over a person. It's utterance from the Lord. And when you speak it out, there's power and there's authority involved in that. Then you get into tongues. Shout tongues. Hallelujah. We are a tongue-talking church. Amen. People are like, you're one of those people. Yes, I am one of those people. And there's a lot of us, too. And we're multiplying daily. That's right. And we look, you know, we're every tribe, we're every color. Some of us have hair. Some of us don't have hair. But we're not ashamed. Why are we not ashamed? I remember, number one, concerning that, I asked the Lord, if this is from you and you give it to me, I will not be ashamed of that. And the Lord gave it to me. And so I said, Lord, if you let me be bad, if you fill me with the Holy Spirit and it's of you, I'll pray in the Spirit every single day of my life. That happened many years ago, and I've been praying in the Spirit every day of my life. I have met people that said they were filled with the Holy Ghost, prayed in tongues in the 90s, and they just didn't do it for a long time and don't know if they can anymore. I don't even understand that. Once you get it, stir it up. Stir it up daily, amen? No one says, you know, I mean, you shower daily, or you should. So you should pray in the Spirit daily, too. Amen. 
Now, what a, why tongues gets a bad rap is the misinterpretation of tongues. So I want to read a scripture, and then we're just going to roll from there. You having fun so far this morning? I hope I'm not boring you with teaching, but, you know, it is what it is. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's probably, it is the reason why tongues has been removed from mainstream church as a whole and relegated to those wild bunch of Pentecostals in the, in the corner. But it's a lot of misinterpretation in the Bible there. You can read all of 1 Corinthians 14, and I could break it down if I had time, but 1 Corinthians 26 is one I want to read. In my Bible, it says, order in church meetings. So basically, Paul is writing instructions of what church should look like. Up until now, church wasn't a thing. The synagogue was the thing. It was the Jewish way of doing things. And we don't do things like a Jewish synagogue in here. We understand now, even mainstream church has an understanding of what church should be like based upon the birth of the new church. And Paul's writing instruction about that. And he writes in there first, he says, How is it then, brethren, that whenever you come together, each of you, say each of you. So that's talking about each and every single one of us, right? When you come together, are we together right now? Yes. Yes, we are. Amen. So when we come together, each of you, should have a psalm. That's a song. Amen. What did we start the service with? Songs, man. We were worshiping the Lord. Who enjoyed that? Man, I love it. I love worship. We don't do that because it's a crowd breaker or ice breaker. It's warming up. We really want to get the beat of the spirit, bro. You know, it's because we have instruction that we should worship the Lord. We should gather together and we should sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We should sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. We should worship the King of glory because he rides in on the praises of his people. There's a purpose for what we do. Amen. And the Bible says it. When you come together, each of you should have a song. Each of you should have a teaching. That's what I'm attempting to do right now. Each of you should have a tongue. Wait a second. So the Bible's saying each of us should have a tongue. People are like, I do have a tongue. It doesn't say tongues. It's talking about a language of the Spirit. Amen. So each of us should have that. Paul's writing, and yes, he goes into depth saying, between the two, prophecy and tongues, I would that you prophesy because people do understand prophecy and it edifies the body. But he that speaks in tongues edifies himself, he says. But then he goes on to clarify, but if you speak in tongues and there's interpretation, it's the same as prophecy because they're both inspired by the Spirit of God. So he says, once again, though, I would that you all speak in tongues. So reality is, if you read this, Paul is saying, yes, in a church service, you shouldn't just get up and have someone speak in tongues for three hours. No music, no understanding, no interpretation, no teaching going on, just for hours and hours and hours. He's saying at at some point, someone's going to be like, what is happening here? Right? But it's not that if you just have a person stirring it up in the spirit. And so each of you should have a tongue. Each of you should have a revelation. Each of you should have an interpretation. And let all things done be done for edification. So let the church exist and let the spirit be free to move to edify the body of Christ as a whole. Amen. Are you grabbing what I'm saying right now? If you have any resistance in your spirit whatsoever, get ready because I'm about to hit you even harder. The reality is, is that the devil knows there's power in the church in the realms of speaking things out. 
He knows that the tongues, the gift of God to speak and stir your spirit man up, is of such importance that he attacked it mercilessly to make you feel ashamed of what God wants to do so that you would deny the gift so that the enemy would be able to access your life in a greater dimension. But we are not those that are ashamed. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Now, if you read the Bible about tongues, there are many reasons tongues exist. It's not just tongues and interpretations. The first thing the Bible lists is that tongues is actually a miraculous sign to unbelievers. That's also found in 1 Corinthians 14. What does that look like? How is it a sign to an unbeliever? If I'm out on the street and they cuss me out and I'm just like, Kurakala, and they're like, that's a sign. A sign to an unbeliever is that when you, if you read the book of Acts, the very first time they were filled with the Spirit, it goes into great detail explaining the scenario. It was the time of a festival. Many cultures were in the city. They all gathered hearing the sound of the Spirit being poured out. And Paul, Peter, the one that previously denied, now filled with the Spirit and bold, stood up. And the Bible says that 120 were there, and they all spake with new tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right? So we got 120 people praying in the Holy Ghost or speaking in tongues. And the Bible lists that all these people, the Parthians, the Mesopotamians, the Medes, they all marveled, realizing they could, they could hear these men speaking in their own language. That is a sign and a wonder. If I, Caleb Ring from Tennessee, show up in the middle of Russia... And I get up and I'm like, and they're like, yes, yes, you know, in Russian, you know, and, 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 and responding. That's a sign not only to me, but to them. I'm like, that's supernatural. Are you with me right now? But it never happens. That doesn't happen until you open your mouth. All right. People are like, well, it's a sign for unbelievers, but you'll never see it because you never open your mouth. If you open your mouth, you can see it. Anybody ever seen it before? I've been on the streets before and seen people pray, and it's like they speak it out and people can hear them. People know what they're saying, but they don't know what they're saying, but the Spirit knows what they're saying. My father-in-law was in a church service praying over people, and it was filmed in the 90s as he's going down the line just praying in the Spirit, laying hands on people. And then that video finds itself a decade later in the 2000s all the way in a nation called Papua New Guinea. And there's a pastor there, loves the Lord, was wanting to quit the ministry, just burn out, tired out, pops in this VHS tape from a decade ago. And sure enough, there he is praying for people, speaking in tongues, speaking in the exact language that this man knew. Glorifying the Lord, worshiping God, encouraging and building things up. And this pastor literally felt the presence of God come on him renewed to stay in the ministry and traveled to America to give the testimony and still had the videotape saying, this is what you're saying. It's amazing to think. Now that's even for a believer. So there's a supernatural aspect of God where he doesn't really care if you understand it. Are you with me right now? Anybody ever not understood something the Lord did? And you're just like, God, I mean, I love you and all, but let me tell you how I would have done it. Trust me, I know what I know. You don't know, God. He doesn't really care if you fully understand. In fact, the Bible says we actually only know in part and prophesy in part. 
We all have a part of this thing. Nobody gets the full picture. And so in the realms of the Spirit, there's nobody walking around that just grabs all of it. So one of the signs of the tongues is just the miraculous side of you could be praying in the Spirit and someone hear and understand and interpret or, 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 or hear it in their own language. That's miraculous. Amen. Then another part of tongues is personal edification. Jude talks about praying in the Holy Spirit, stirring yourself or building yourself up on your most holy faith. Ephesians talks about the input on the whole armor of God, praying always in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Supplication. I'm putting in too many eyes. Supplication. Okay. <laughs> praying in the Spirit. Well, what does praying in the Spirit cover? Well, that covers prophecy. That covers singing in the Spirit. That covers uh, 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 praying in tongues. That covers praying in English. Really, if you're talking about praying in the Spirit, it's all of those. I'm rolling with the Holy Ghost right now. I'm a roll from speaking in English, just praying in tongues, just singing in tongues, to singing in English. I'm going to have a good time, and I'm going to rap somewhere in the middle of it, and the Lord's really going to be blessed by that freestyle, hip, you know. I mean, I, I go crazy with the Lord, you know. I get a little flavor with God because He can handle it. You, that's praying in the Spirit. What does that do? It's building yourself up on your most holy faith. That is helping you stir within yourself the spirit man rather than the soulish man. And when I was in Bible college, not to make a big story about me, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like highlighted that I was going to do anything in the ministry. And I had the right heart. I just didn't have the right talent. And so I screwed up everything that could be screwed up, and I was constantly in trouble. I mean, the dean really knew me. It's like, Caleb, get up here. It's like a regular like, slip in your Bible. Yeah, the red slip. Yeah, what do I do now? And so that was kind of the story of my Bible college days. And other people were highlighted. I was desperate for a word of God, like truly desperate for a word of God. I really wanted something. So I remember even hearing somebody say one time, prophets called people out with bright colors. So I would go and buy bright colored shirts and wear them when a prophet was in town. Like I was that desperate, that guy in the Jamaican hat, you know. Like, call on me, and they would never call on me. I never had anything. Nobody cared about me. And so I was walking around feeling real sorry for myself. But one thing I did learn, in the midst of that, no one's going to speak to me. No one's going to prophesy to me. No one's going to stir it. And a lot of believers find themselves stuck at this place where you're dependent, your spiritual temperature is dependent upon someone else to coax you along. To stir you up, to help you stay sharp. And yes, iron sharpens iron, but what about your own personal walk with the Lord to stay sharp and stay stirred up and stay on fire? So I created a playlist of worship, and I would just lock myself in my room when I felt like quitting, when I felt like I wasn't, I didn't know what I was doing, and I would worship God, singing in the Spirit, singing in English, and stir myself up until I broke. All that just junk, that you know, the accusations, you're not good enough, what are you even doing here, just quit, you're a loser, no one cares about you. All those bombardments that the accuser of the brethren throws upon your mind daily, and if you don't learn to combat that, you'll listen to it long enough to where that becomes your identity. I'm not good enough. 
I'm the, I'm the, you know, the worm in the body of Christ. No, you've got to shake that hellish voice off and realize, man, he gave the best to, to win my heart and to save me. He loves me. He calls me his own, and I belong to Jesus Christ. And I am the devil's worst nightmare. And stir that within you. But I, you don't get that until you learn to personally edify and build yourself up. I'm going to stir myself up. You're driving to work. It's 4 a.m. You're absolutely exhausted. You can sit there and grumble about traffic. You can turn on morning radio, which is something straight from the pits of hell. Who came up with good morning? What is wrong with you? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to hear you prank call someone. So you can either listen to that or you can shut off the noise. Start stirring yourself up in your little car and just build yourself up, praying until the atmosphere changes. I, I promise you, he will enter your car just because you stir yourself up. He doesn't need 33 other people in the back row and he doesn't need an organist in your back seat. Just you stirring yourself up, saying, I'm pressing past the veil of the flesh right now. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Lord, fall in my car right now. I press in. Lord, I worship you. I glorify you. King of kings. Lord of lords. You're mighty. You're majestic. You're holy. You're reverent. You're my God. You're my king. You're my source. You're my life. You're the way maker. You're the way maker. And man, when you do that, then it's like the, the, your, your, your car becomes the holy of holies. And the angels of God are there. Your hair's standing up. You feel like, man, whoa, I could, I could run through a troop and leap over. You went from being tired, wanting to quit, to now feeling energized by the Spirit because of one tool God gave you. You edified yourself with the Spirit of God that is life within you. That's why the Bible says He's the Spirit of life. He's the Spirit of power. He's the Spirit of truth. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. So you got to stir that up. you got to stir that up. Amen. And the more you learn to stir up the Spirit, that's how you're going to prophesy accurately. That's how you're going to declare things powerfully over your life. That's how you're going to stay sharp in the things of God. Personal edification, there is no substitute. I get in the Word, and I stir up myself praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you're going to stay sharp. Amen. Then you get into tongues and interpretation, which Paul said there is no difference between this and prophecy. Both are equal, not lesser not slightly, not as cool. They are equal because if prophecy is inspired speaking by the Spirit of God and tongues is inspired speaking by the Spirit of God with an interpretation, they are the same. Amen. In fact, even some prophecy is more like I see a picture of this. Well, what are you doing? You're interpreting a vision to prophesy accurately. And the first thing I want to talk about tongues and interpretation is the key word is interpretation, not translation. There's a difference. That if I'm interpreting tongues, that means if I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean I have to stop and say in English something that I don't know what's going to come out. If I pray long enough in the Spirit, my mind can begin to see things by the Spirit of God. You can begin to see it, or there's just a knowing that comes upon you. Anybody ever been you just praying in the Spirit and suddenly there's like a knowing that comes upon you of what I'm praying about. And then there with it comes an intense. It's like you hit another gear. Yeah. 
You're like, oh, like it's like suddenly you went African, you know? There's the, the realms of the spirit. People don't even talk about this stuff hardly because they're just so focused on, look, you know, we pray in tongues, you know, in the back room, you know, when no one's looking and it'll be good. Forget that. I'm not trying to be pleasing to religious spirits. I have been given a gift of power and I intend to use it to cost the devil as much hell as I professionally can in my life. Hey, somebody. It's a gift. It stirs it up. And when you do it, they prophesy. Acts 19. They were filled with the Spirit. They spake with tongues and prophesied. You see it in the book of Acts where they were stirred up, filled with the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues and prophesied. Why? Because it's just rolling with the same flow of the Spirit of God. I go from this to that, and it's the Spirit speaking through me. Amen. Now, it can be you that interprets, or it can be another person. You can be in a prayer service, and a person is like groaning, praying in the Spirit, and you can be the one to know what's going on. God can reveal it to you. This is what's going on. Or you can see it. You can hear it. You can speak it out and, tra- and, and, and almost translate, really, where you take an English or Spanish and attach it to it. But it's revelation from God. And one way to train yourself on this, why tongues is such a gift to the body of Christ, is I can pray in the Holy Ghost anytime I want. And if I stir myself up long enough and begin to enter into this place of interpretation and catching and getting things by the Spirit of God, then it's almost like built-in training. Right? Because then I can, I can stir myself up till I'm speaking by the Spirit, and then I'm going to see the fruit of that in my life and recognize I did hear from the Lord at that moment. So I'd be actually growing sharp in myself on hearing the voice of the Lord. Because I don't want to follow the voice of a stranger. I want to follow the voice of the Lord. If I'm about to go on a business deal that's going to cost me 50 grand, I want to be the person that can hear the Lord say, no. (laughs) Even if he wants to just whisper it instead of screaming, no. I want to hear that, no. (laughs) Right? Can I get a witness? People are like, how does this apply to my life? If I'm driving down the road and a head-on collision is about to happen, I want to be the person to hear the Lord say, pull into this parking lot right now. If I'm about to get on a plane and that plane's about to crash, I want to be the guy that knows by the Spirit of God, don't get on that plane. Amen. This is application to daily life. How do you trip up the devil? Being eight steps ahead of him all the time. How do you do that? Because the Spirit of God has been to the end before he even started the thing. And if you stir that spirit man up within you, there is no way the devil can take you out. That's why the Bible says, if God be for you, who can actually be against you? And the answer is only your flesh. Your flesh can ruin it every time. God, there's that stinking flesh again. Wanting to to grumble and complain. You stir yourself up. Tongues and interpretation. Personal edification. And then it gets us to the last application. Is it really that time? Oh, we did do a lot before. Amen. It's not my fault. I preached quickly. It's all the other stuff. There was a lot of announcements and a lot. The worship team went a long time today. You're welcome that I cut back my portion because they just took so much. I'm very considerate of people, unlike some people. Intercessory prayer. There's a realm in the spirit of true intercessory prayer. That's like the depth of the spiritual realm that comes upon a person that's just so in tune with God. 
I mean, where the Lord trusts you to pray something through. Now, first and foremost, why does God need a person to pray something through? Great question. Once again, you guys are sharp today. <laughs> well, because when the Bible details creation and details how in creation God gave dominion, which is power and authority to mankind. So when he created the earth or recreated it and gave man dominion over it, he breathed the breath of creation within man, gave him the power to name the things around him, speak over them, speak life, speak identity to those creatures, and gave them dominion and authority. Then Satan came and convinced man that God was a liar and withheld something from them. So they sold their dominion in sin. Then Christ came because of one man's disobedience, Romans says, sin reigned in all men. But because of another man's obedience, Christ Jesus, now we can all rule and reign as kings. Amen. What is that talking about? I mean, yes, I believe my wife should bring me grapes chilled every day with a fan. No, I'm just joking. I'm a king, baby. No, that's not what it means. It's the spiritual realm where that authority and that dominion has been placed back upon a redeemed child of God. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a ministry website. You don't even need a social media page. Come on, somebody. It's not that if I can get the word out and it go viral, I have authority. It's that if I hear from God and I speak it out and I take authority, I have power and dominion because I am the redeemed child of God. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. So there's power. That's why God uses you for intercession. Because he's looking for that yielded vessel, the redeemed vessel, the child of God on planet earth with the breath of creation within you to speak out his will as we started. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. You stir that up and you have the desires of God coming from you. There's power released in your life. And that power is sometimes to intercede for those around you, family members. Come on, who in here should be dead but you believe someone prayed you through? This guy right here, I should have died so many times, but I was covered. But some of my personal favorites, of fr you know, friends of ours in the ministry, he was in, traveling back West Virginia, having preached a crusade, going through the mountains of West Virginia at 2 o'clock in the morning and fell asleep at the wheel of a curvy mountain road. But a prayer partner and a part financial partner in the ministry was woke up at 2 a.m. Anybody in here ever, ever been woke up in the middle of the night? And it's like just woke up with a start and just thinking about this evangelist. And so it was heavy on her. She doesn't know what's going on, but she was praying in the spirit. Because what does the Bible say? When you know not how you ought to pray, the spirit himself maketh intercession through you. Well, that's what this is. This is intercessory prayer. You don't have, you don't know what to pray. So you're just praying and stirring things up in the spirit. And then you'll, you'll flow into English as you're covering and stuff. But praying by the Spirit for two hours, she prayed. Then felt it lift and went to bed. Woke up the next morning, called the wife of the evangelist. Said, man, I, was, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was praying for your husband very strongly. What was going on? She said, well, let me tell you what happened. He just got home a bit ago and told me. He was driving, fell asleep at the wheel, woke up, and the steering wheel was turning in front of him, driving itself. And he looked out the corner and an angel of the Lord was on the side of the building, hold, uh, his car, holding it on the road. Guys, there's power in the church of Jesus Christ. That if you would begin to cover each other as that comes upon you, 
say, well, how do I get that? You be a person that God can trust to intercede and break through. And then Antonio's got a great one he shared with me where years ago he was reading Ian Bounds' book on prayer. He decides he's going to be a prayer warrior. He lays out, you know, it's midnight, the whole family, the less spiritual side of the family is going to bed. No, just... <laughs> but he's the man of God that will pray through the midnight hour. And so he goes to the couch and he falls asleep. <laughs> Realizes it's hard to pray through the night. Rule number one, don't get comfortable. Just keep standing. Amen. But he falls asleep, but suddenly he wakes up. The Spirit of God's on him. And now he's praying and praying in the Holy Ghost, stirring himself up, and then just speaking things out. As it stirs within him, he starts just praying like he doesn't usually pray. I thank you. Man, your angels are protecting my windows, my doors. I bind a murderous spirit. These things coming out of his spirit, man, and falls asleep once it lifts. Wakes up the next day, opens his door. There's his neighbor's door, kicked in and destroyed. Four men in the middle of the night kicked in the door of his neighbor, even though it had an ADT protection sign and Antonio's door didn't have one. They chose the one right next door, kicked it in, and an old man was able to fight off four guys to where all four of them fled the scene and the police came and no one was hurt. Just by interceding by the Spirit of God. Amen. A personal one. I was washing the dishes like every, you know, good husband does. I'm washing the dishes, you know, amen. I'm not getting a lot of support from the men right now, but the ladies are loving it. I'm, I'm gonna go, I'll leave today and all the ladies will be like, this service blessed me. You said something about the Holy Spirit, but the dishes. <laughs> ah, sha-ta-ta-ta, you know. Ah, woo. Surprised no one ran around the place for it. That was the moment. I'm washing the dishes, and it came strong upon me. Just out of nowhere, I just start praying in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's erupting from my spirit man. And I'm praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and then suddenly I'm like, Father, I thank you for angels encamped about my children. No harm comes to any, anybody in my household. Uh, the angels of God are encamped about us. We're protected. You bear us up. Just kept praying. And as I'm praying, I'm washing the dishes and I put a very sharp knife in the dishwasher. And Ellie at that time was a little, little toddler and Emma was a baby, not even a year old. And Ellie grabbed that sharp knife. I wasn't even thinking. And she turned around full speed, just like, a, like that with the knife. And it came and sliced Emma's eyebrow right there. Just barely scratched it. Scratched it so lightly, it didn't even draw a drop of blood. It just gave you the red streak where the knife just scraped against her, but it didn't bleed. And I grabbed the knife, closed it, shut the dishwasher, grabbed both the kids, and was like instantly like, thank you, Jesus. You know what I was thinking about? Number one, yes, thank you for protecting my kids, but I was actually like, thank you, God, because if they got hurt under my watch, I would never hear the end. I was like, Lord, you really care. You really care about my dignity. Father, you have covered me. This went from me being a bad husband to a man of God. Hallelujah. Now my woman knows who she's with. Hey, ha! I mean, I was, I was like, yeah, I can't wait to tell her. what. I, you're not going to believe what this guy did. Yeah, hell tried to find its way in, but I said, no.
<laughs> Kicked him right out, baby. You're welcome. You want me to pray over you? Sure, I'll close your eyes. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Thank God for the Spirit. You talk about spiritual warfare. Well, you're not going to be very effective fighting in the realms of the Spirit if you don't stay in the Spirit. And so stir yourself up. These are gifts that God gave the body of Christ. Religion tries to shame you for it. There's attacks that come, all sorts of stuff, but it doesn't matter. Because I'm not living for the celebration of this world anyways. I'm not living to be recognized as the greatest preacher on planet earth. I'm living for the king. And I trust the king because he has been favorable and to me time after time again. He has protected my family and he will protect your family and does protect your family. Stir yourself up. We can ask for every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. First and foremost, I want to tell you so much that, that God loves you greatly. He loves you more than you love you. I mean, his love for you knows no end. He's passionate about you. He sings over you and he dances over you, the Bible says. He dreams dreams for you. He plans things for you. Great plans. And all it takes is the surrender of your heart to say, Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior, and I trust you. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.